0: And so we're continuing our series this morning, What in the World Happened, and Ben even touched on it earlier in worship, and we're just going to continue that discussion of our Creator, right, coming down into what He created, and not just coming down, but being the creation that he did. You know, I, I, I build, we have Legos in our house and all of them are princess themed, as you can imagine. And I build, you know, castles with, with my girls a lot. That's what my go-to, I really only have one thing I can like build with Legos and it's castles. And I've gotten pretty good at it. But there's never been a moment where I looked at a castle or a, or a Lego and said, you know, I really wanna be a Lego. You know, I really want to be that thing that I've created. But that's exactly what God did. And that's what we're we're taking this entire time of Christmas to discuss that. I want to say real briefly, if you didn't get a communion cup, you can do so now. We're going to be taking communion at the end of my word this morning. So if you didn't grab one or if you're watching at home, make sure to get something for that. But here we go. We're going to jump in to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. to Bethlehem the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Okay, so Mary and Joseph are taking this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This is about an 80-mile journey, okay, from where they are going leaving from to where they are going. Now, let's just let's just Appreciate this journey here for a second because Mary and Joseph were very young. Okay. They're, they're not, this is not like, uh, they've, they've gone on a lot of road trips together. This is probably their first one. Okay. First time they've ever done it at 14, 15 years old, something like that. And, and here. To make matters even worse, Mary is very, very pregnant, okay? Um, not something that you would really want to do. I'm sure if you ask Sabrina after church, if she wants to go on an 80-mile hike, she's going to say, no, get behind me, Satan, okay? So she's not feeling like that. We don't even like to get off our couch to go get the remote that's across the room, right? We don't like doing that. And then so here they are, they're going to take an 80-mile trek, young, still getting to know each other, and Mary very, very pregnant. And maybe, you know, when you say, well, she wasn't walking, she was riding on a donkey. Pfft, okay, great, you know, it's awesome. It's like saying she, didn't, she wasn't walking, she was riding on a 10-speed with one flat tire, all right? It doesn't, it's not like that much easier. And, and also, we have to consider this too. Going 80 miles then was, was, was a lot different now. The travel then was a dirt road and nothing, right? When we travel now, it's like, ooh, what bed and breakfast are we gonna discover on the way, you know, or like, it's gonna be so cute and quaint. Let's get on Yelp and find the best coffee shop around, right? Or let's make sure that I love this, Let's make sure we can at least stop at the Bucky's, right? Woo! Is there a Bucky's in the on the side? Is that not the most Jacksonville thing ever? We get in a Bucky's. We get in a fancy gas station. My goodness gracious! We don't have any of that. All right, they, they didn't have any of that. They were just going, and when they got tired, they stopped. They weren't, they weren't nowhere fancy. They didn't have any money. They were poor. They packed whatever they had to eat, and they set out. So this is a hard, hard journey. But here's what I wanna also think about in this moment is you know that a lot of times in our life, we confuse a hard journey when really it's actually God's grace in our lives. And so think about this for a second. She, Mary is about to have Jesus, right? And rather than her stay in Nazareth, where Lord only knows what they're saying about her and Joseph and what they would be saying about her son, which mama don't like that, right? where all this gossip has been taking place. And, you know, it's, it's this moment where we're surrounded by loved ones. We're surrounded by friends. Why aren't they here for us? And that hurt that that could very much cause. They should be loving us. God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you out of that. And yeah, it's going to be an 80-mile journey. And I'm going to put you over here, where you're away from all those things, where it can just be you and me. And so even though we can see that, yes, this was hard, what we also need to understand is this is very much God's grace on them. And if you yourself are on your own 80-mile journey, maybe look and consider that it's God's grace on your life, delivering you from something. And here's the other thing. As we get to our destination and we see what God is doing, that journey was actually something that was done all for God's glory, And so our our mind changes from this is something that I have to do to this is something that I got to do. Because if we get to take part in God's glory, what else is there? That's the most amazing thing ever. And so hallelujah that Mary and Joseph took this journey. Because here we are, 2021, December 12th, Neptune Beach, Beaches Chapel, talking about what they did for God's glory. If we just get a little blip of that, If when I get to heaven, just one person comes up and says, hey, you're James, yes, (laughs) worth it, worth it. All of it is because we get to participate in glorifying the Lord. And that's what it's all about. So yes, it was a hard journey. Yes, there were bumps in the road, incredibly uncomfortable, going out from their hometown, going to somewhere where they probably had never been before, but it was for God's glory and it was worth it. Your 80-mile journey that you are on will be worth it. It will be worth it because it'll be for God's glory. Amen. And so here we are as they, as they travel in verse 6. It says, while they were there, so they get to Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, so here's the thing. Luke is a great writer. He, He writes the gospel of Luke. He wrote Acts. But we have this moment here where Jesus is born. And all Luke says is that she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Bro, like, how about some details, all right? Like, w- w- what was it like? You know, how cold was it outside? What did she, was it long labor? Was it short labor? You know, what, what was, give us something here, right? If, if, every time when you, when you have a baby, the first thing that you do is you tell the story. Or when someone else has a baby, guess what? You tell your story. That's one of those things. Everyone has it. Oh, you did that. Well, let me tell you what happened to me, right? All right. Um, we all have these stories, and they're very descriptive. And Luke, like, charged with writing one of the gospels, says nothing. Like, come on, dude! Doesn't Jesus? And as, as I'm reading over this, and I'm preparing for this sermon, I'm thinking, doesn't Jesus deserve more than this? Doesn't the arrival of Jesus, the Son of God, deserve more than Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger? I think there's gotta be more than that. I mean, think about all the prophecies that were fulfilled. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Micah 5, 2, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. We hear more of a description in the Old Testament than from Luke. I mean, this is a huge moment. It's a huge moment. The prophecies have been fulfilled. The Son of God has been born. The Savior is here. Everything has changed. And Luke just says this, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't get it, God. Why would, why would this be so quick? Why would this be so blasé of a description? And it's because, here, here's the reason, y'all. Jesus didn't come here to get what he deserved. He came to take what we deserve. He deserved all the pomp and circumstance in the world. He deserved a parade. He deserved all those people that were in Bethlehem coming out to where he was and praising him and singing songs about him. What he ultimately deserved as the son of God was to never leave heaven at all. That's what Jesus deserves. And so when he's born and we read this, what we understand is that it was never about this pomp and circumstance. It was about him coming and taking what we deserve which is sin and death and everything that comes with it. Instead, he said, I'm going to come quiet right now. I'm going to save anyone who believes in me. And I'm going to be wrapped in cloth and I'm going to be lying in a manger. And that's it. But then, check this out, and, and I want to keep this theme that we introduced last week as part of our discussion this morning, that balance of humility and power. And we see the humility in, in Luke's description of Jesus being born, but we're about to see the power that Luke discusses when Jesus is born. But it doesn't happen in the manger. It happens in a field. It says in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they, oh, so, sorry, back up. Sorry, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Then it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. They were terrified, y'all. Not a little scared, not a little nervous. When the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were terrified. And I want us to get back to that, honestly. I want us to get back to the fact that when we are surrounded by the glory of the Lord, that it is no small thing. That we don't just leave church on Sunday and go about our day, and what time are the Jags playing, what do we get for lunch? Like, wait a second. We were just in the midst of the glory of the Lord, and if that doesn't wreck us, we need to reconsider where our where our vision is. Where is our sight at? Because the glory of the Lord is awesome. And when it shines around all these people, they are to the point where they're terrified because it's powerful. When we walk out of here, it needs good, Lord Jesus, how am I going to get to the car? Because I was just in the glory of God. Because we're all looking in one place. And we're terrified. They were terrified with his glory. It was his terror. And then it says in verse 10, "'But the angel said to them, "'just like we heard Gabriel say to Mary last week, "'do not be afraid. "'I bring you good news "'that will cause great joy for all the people. "'Today in the town of David, "'a Savior has been born to you. "'He is the Messiah, the Lord. "'This will be a sign to you. "'You will find a baby wrapped in cloths "'and lying in a manger.'" You know what's amazing about this? It's these shepherds who are the first to hear the gospel. You notice that? Because it says that we bring you good news. Well, the the gospel by definition is good news. And here's what's so amazing about this and what we need to understand the depth of of why God chose these shepherds because shepherds were social outcasts. They were that no one wanted to associate with them. They actually were taking care of the temple sheep. Yet they're not welcome in the town. It says, if you go back and you reread verse 8, that they were living in the fields. They weren't just hanging out that night. It wasn't just by chance they were out there. This is where they were living. Their reputation was so bad, and this, this is so awesome, their reputation was so bad that they were not even allowed to testify in the courts. Yet, God is telling them first so that they can go testify about Jesus to all people. Okay? What is the message here? That Jesus came for everyone. If he had gone and he had told the Pharisees or the church officials or even just the rich upper class whatever it might be, if he had gone into Jerusalem or whatever, the message would be that oh, told me first. We're the most important because God told us first. But that narrative is gone the second that God announces Jesus to shepherds. Because what he's saying is, I'm announcing it to the lowliest of low so that they can tell you. Hallelujah. Jesus came for everyone. And he came for you and he came for me. And it's not about social class. It's not about whatever you walked in Today, with whatever you've been living out your life by, how little you go to church, how much you go to church, how much you read, how little you read. That's why on Christmas Eve, for those that never come to church except once a year, we're believing for them to know. It's not, well, I know first. No, it's for everybody. And so God announces it to these shepherds while the glory of God is surrounding them so that they who cannot testify in man's court can testify on behalf of heaven. How incredible is that? Don't tell me he didn't come for everybody. Verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, I think this is maybe, well, I don't know. This is a very underappreciated verse here what is happening. And I, a lot of it's because we just hear it so much. I mean, Charlie Brown Christmas, all that stuff, you can hear it right now in the back of your head. Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom his favor. Okay. We skip by it and don't understand what is really happening here. Who is saying it? It says, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. It's one thing for me to say it, y'all. And I can say it with passion and it might, you know, stir something up in you. We could we could put the verse back on the screen. We could all read it and it would sound really cool. But have you ever really stopped to wonder what this might have sounded like when a great company of the of the heavenly host is saying. You know what the heavenly host is? It's God's army. When when I started to consider this, I thought about the Lord of the Rings movies, right? And all, you know, the, the, the battle scenes and all, I'm not going to go full nerd on you, okay? But just remember those scenes where this is this, you know, the screen is covered with soldiers, both the good side and the bad, and they're just coming at each other. And as far as, as far as you can see, it's just soldier after soldier after soldier. It's like sand on the beaches. And even as cool as that visual is, and that gets you fired up and you, and you, you know, when they're ready to come to attention, you hear that shung, shung. Because they hit the ground, you know, and, and they come up to it and it's just awesome, right? You're like, oh, this is gonna be great. I guess I am going full nerd on you. Okay, uh, I repent, Lord, sorry, I lied. Um, I mean, it's awesome. It's such a cool scene. It's nothing compared to this. The glory of God is there and a great company of heaven's angels' armies are praising God. And I think as much as there might be melody in my mind, I think it sounds pretty tough. You know, I think there's a you know, something like that, I mean, whatever. It fires me up thinking about it, right? So yes, as we hear about Luke's description of Jesus being born, and it seems very simple, what we see is somewhere else, the power of the announcement is there. The power of the announcement, y'all. Think about that. The power of the announcement of Jesus is angel armies. This is no small thing. This is awesome. This is the glory of God out in a field telling lowly shepherds that things are about to change. And Jesus is now on the scene. Can I get an amen, church? Come on now. Hmm. I'm gonna the band come back up. We're gonna worship this morning. And we're gonna worship as we close. But I want to read this as we continue on. It says in verse 15, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, in other words, let's go testify. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. He's announced by a heavenly host but he's lying in a manger. Power and humility, all in one. All of this, all of this done so that he can end up on a cross for us. The heavenly hosts come. They're singing praises in a field. Mary and Joseph traveling 80 miles. What should be this huge celebration and reality in a lot of ways is very sad because it's in that moment where Jesus' destination begins to the cross. But it's all for us. If Jesus came here to get what he deserved, it would have been a lot more than a manger and cloth. It would have been pageantry, parade, people f- coming, flooding out of their homes to see him. Everybody kneeling, bowing. But there wasn't. Those angels coming to shepherds, not to Jesus, but to shepherds. To say, go tell him, go tell him. He came for all of us and he's coming for you now. Even as you sit in this room and there's many of us that have already given our lives to Jesus, I want to say this to you. He's still pursuing you as well. Not this one-time decision, the road that you might be traveling, the things that you're going through, the people that you're believing for. He's pursuing you. Let's not confuse the gift of salvation with opening a gift once and that's it. We get to live out the gift of salvation every single day. And he's after us, y'all. And Can we just stop and use our imagination just a little bit about that night with the shepherds and what that must have been like When suddenly, the Bible says, suddenly, there was angels, boom! And it was loud and it was glorious. And it was all because Jesus had been born for us. If you have your communion cups, let's prepare for communion this morning. As we remember in our discussion of his birth, reason was his death. In that night, I have to imagine the shepherds, more than we were even saying this morning, what in the world just happened? What in the world just happened? I'll tell you what it was. Jesus was born and it changed everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Jesus. Father, we love you. Forgive us, Lord, for shrinking this story down and not using our imagination and getting, getting away from the wonder of your birth, the wonder of that almost like a, like breaking the sound barrier of when you came into this earth. God, it was, it was, it was different from that point on forgive us Lord when we treat it like just this little story a bedtime story God when it was massive it was thunderous it was glorious and in all of it Lord you chose the audience to be shepherds you chose us Lord you chose us with your message saying I came for everybody it's not about what you bring to the table it's what who I am and what I bring to the table. And that's salvation. That's forgiveness. That's mercy. And that's a sacrifice. So, Father, as we remember your birth, we also remember your death. And how you died on the cross for us. How you were beaten and broken and bruised, Lord. Flesh was totally ripped off your back. it into your arms and your legs as you suffocated barely able to breathe on a cross for us father we thank you that you took what we deserve on you when you deserved so much better that you still deserve so much better and you freely give Lord father we take this bread right now remembering your sacrifice and we say thank you thank you thank you Let's take the bread Father we thank you for your blood that was shed that even now as we come into our church service on a Sunday morning and with baggage and mistakes and mess- ups and guilt and shame and why should I even be in here maybe for some of us feeling like we may have just neglected you, God, when we turn our heart back to you and we turn our attention and our affection back to you, Lord, what we experience is, is not shame, Lord, not condemnation, but your mercy. That, Lord, when we come to you and we kneel before you and we repent, God, and we say, I'm sorry for what I've done, we feel comfort, we feel love. And it's all because your blood is enough cleanses us every day. So Lord, as we take this cup this morning, I just pray that we would have that posture of repentance this morning for many of us that need it. Not not to because we feel guilty, Lord, but because we want to be free of the chains, Lord, free of the guilt. And we would do so understanding that your sacrifice is enough. Thank you for your blood. Let's take the cup. The story goes on in verse 17 of Luke chapter 2. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We have 13, oh, 12 days until Christmas Eve. Y'all, we need to spread the word. We need to spread the word and invite, invite, invite. so that those that leave here that night can experience what we experience. So they're not strangers or outcasts, but they have every right to the name Christian as we do. And they can be a part of what God is building here at Beaches Chapel. And they can believe and they can be set free in Jesus' name. So let's stand up and we're gonna, we're gonna close with, with, this isn't just a little wrap up song. We're gonna worship as we end tonight as we end this morning, sorry. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship.